The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Okay, Matthew chapter uh, 12, verses 1 through 12. We're going to go through this, and we're going to talk about the star of Bethlehem. Um, and what a, great, what a great and important message tonight. So let's bow our heads and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you and pray and ask that the Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts tonight. And this message uh, about this uh, miraculous supernatural star that you put into the sky that was seen by wise men from a very far country distant from Israel. But they were looking and waiting and watching and they saw the sign that had been recorded prophetically 700 years earlier. And now it came to pass. And they began to follow that star. And because of their faith, and because of their obedience, and because they came to worship and bow down with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, they had the honor and the privilege of literally seeing and meeting and bowing before God incarnate through the baby Jesus, born miraculously there in Bethlehem. So, Lord, may you speak to our hearts, lead and guide us into the truth and set us free as never before in Jesus' wonderful, mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Okay, that was a cold amen. Give me a hearty amen. 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 Okay. So Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So we're going to be talking about this little, a little town of Bethlehem. And I want to just start off by saying this, God... Uh, Choo uh, chooses a humble town to change the world. So verses one and two, it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men. Oh, did I say Matthew 12? I'm not in Matthew 12, I'm in Matthew two. Man, I am upside down, inside out tonight. It's, it's in my notes, Matthew 12. It's not Matthew 12. It is in Matthew chapter 2. God, have mercy upon my soul. Unscramble the egg of my brain. In Jesus' name, amen. This is so funny. Okay, Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. I want to talk about Bethlehem. Uh, why did God choose Bethlehem? And there are several reasons, as it is still to this day. Bethlehem is a small town. It is about five miles south of Jerusalem. It's in the fertile hill country of Judea. And Judea comes from the tribe of Judah. And it was at a very interesting location. Bethlehem was along a road, an ancient highway that went all the way from Jerusalem to Egypt. So it really was kind of a little offering, just like we're off, you know, the major 15 and you go down a little bit into Forest Ranch area. But that's a major highway, 15, that goes all the way far up north into California. 
So that's what they had there. They had a freeway, and Bethlehem was a little town off the freeway that, that connected Israel from Jerusalem to Egypt, and then from there, obviously, to the entire continent of Africa. Now, what about Bethlehem do we know? It was in Bethlehem that Jacob and his beautiful wife, Rachel, it was there in Bethlehem that she died. And there she was buried. In fact, she's the only one of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their wives. But she's the only one that is not buried in Hebron, uh, where all the other patriarchs are buried. She alone is in Bethlehem. And of course, she, she died in, you know, in childbirth. And it was grievous and a great loss to Jacob. And it, it was actually prophetic of what would happen later, literally now, at the birth of the Messiah, because there in Bethlehem, Ephratah, there would be weeping again. When Herod is going to hear, as you know the story, what? A rival king is being born, and he sent soldiers there to kill all of the male children from two years of age and under. So that's part of the history of Bethlehem. We have Rachel is buried there. Also, it was uh, where Ruth married Boaz. So you have Ruth, the Moabite Gentile, who marries Boaz, the handsome, young, you know, rich, blessed Jewish young man of that town. And they have this tremendous love story, and that's a beautiful love story because it's about a Jew falling in love or a Gentile falling in love with a Jewish man, and they come together, and then their grandson of Ruth and Boaz is none other than King David. So this is where the little town of Bethlehem, old little town of Bethlehem, is where King David grew up and where he tended sheep. By the time, from the time of David around 1000 BC until the time of Jesus 1000 years later, Bethlehem came to be known as the city of David. And of course, the prophecy of the ancient Hebrew prophets was that when the Messiah comes, he'll be like David and the son of David descended from the tribe of Judah and he will be born in the city of David, literally in Bethlehem. So look with me in Matthew 2, uh, beginning in verse 6, it says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So there's the prophecy in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And Micah wrote that prophecy 700 years before Jesus was born. And he said the Messiah will be born in the city of David and it will be a small, humble village. And yet King David was born there. Now I have a question. Why did God choose such a little town? Uh, why such humble beginnings for the Messiah? I mean, why shouldn't the Messiah, the Savior, the Anointed One, the King, where the government's of Israel will be upon his shoulder. The governments of the world shall be upon his shoulder. He shall be like Moses and like Elijah and come with great power and authority. Shouldn't, and, and then literally the kingdom of heaven upon him. Shouldn't he have been born in a city like Jerusalem? Though he would go to Jerusalem and there he would preach and teach and do miracles. There he would die. There he would be buried and rise from the dead and ascend into heaven. And to there he will come back. 
But God chose a small, little, humble town in order that his son, the Messiah, would be born there. And I want to just say this uh, and make a little note about it. God seems to take great joy in taking little places or little insignificant towns or little insignificant people and doing great and extraordinary things through them. Can I hear an amen on that? And I wonder tonight how many of you feel that you are very small, beyond humble. Uh, humility comes from a healthy relationship of God being so great and you are his child. But I'm talking about more than being humble. I'm talking about you feel so small, you feel nobody sees you, nobody notices you, maybe not even God. You feel very small and insignificant. And I just want to tell you something about your father in heaven. He loves people and places and things that feel that they are insignificant and that they are small and that they don't really even matter. God loves in all of his power, grace, and glory to magnify and lift up and show that small, insignificant things or people can be mightily used by him when he touches you. Amen? So may that be true for you. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. And if that scripture is up on the screen there, let's, let's read it out loud together. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. <laughs> and then the very next verse goes on to say, so that no flesh may glory in his presence. If God only used the smart people, the smart people would say, well, of course he used me, I'm smart. <laughs> or only use the talented people. Well, of course God used me, I'm talented. But God loves to use those who cannot point to themselves. And they kind of throw their hands up like this to say, I know, I don't get it either. But I serve a great God. He's an awesome God. To God be the glory, great things he has done. Hallelujah. Now there's another reason why God chose this humble little town of Bethlehem and why God wants to also use you. There is special meaning and significance to small and humble things. Bethlehem means house of bread. Bet is house. Lechem is bread. How appropriate that God Almighty would have his son, who would be the Messiah, the anointed one and the Savior, be born in a humble little town that means the house of bread. For Jesus would grow up and declare to all of Israel, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of this bread shall never hunger again. Amen? Amen. Literally, Jesus says, the gift I give you is me. We just had communion. Uh, and when you have communion, take, eat. This is my body which was broken for you. 
So literally, that it represents the bread of life, the nourishment of life, the strength of our life, the house of bread, Jesus, the bread for all of humanity to take away that emptiness and that loneliness and that hunger from our lives was born in Bethlehem. That means the house of bread. And then there were magi who came. So we read now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now the term magi refers to this ancient group of spiritual men, uh, counselors, advisors to the various kings in the past who were philosophers, uh, interpreters of dreams. Obviously they were wise, that's why they were called wise men. And they were also astronomers. And they believed that the stars told stories and had meanings. And I believe that there were some of these magi that were remnants. They may have been, in fact, these magi may have been Jewish remnants from the days when Daniel the prophet and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been taken from Jerusalem and they were taken captive to Babylon. And there they began to plant the seeds of Judaism and the one true God, the whole story of Queen Esther who was Jewish and who married Ahasuerus, the king, and their deliverance. And they planted seeds there. And not all of the Jews at the end of the 70 years came back to Jerusalem to rebuild. Many of them stayed there for many generations. And therefore, we believe that the wise men, and there's a long history and a long tradition of wise men who were called magi, who literally came from ancient Persia, which is the modern country of Iran. Now, here's something very interesting about Iran. Number one, I want to tell you this. Do you know that the fastest growing church on planet Earth right now is happening in Iran? Hello, is that cool? Amazing? Literally, that's where the fact, because in the Chinese, our brothers and sisters in China, where the church is exploding and growing, because of even through the midst of the persecution and pressure, they're the ones that contacted the Iranians, and they said, look, we've been doing this house church thing for a long time, but we, we get caught a lot in stuff. You guys seem to know how to, how do you do it? And I just heard that they're now, the, the house church movement in Persia, which is Iran, which is, you know, the capital of Shiite Islam that wants to make the whole world Muslim, they cannot stop the growth of the church. It's exploding. And that the Iranians are now helping teach the church in China how to grow, how to continue to let the kingdom explode and and move in such mighty ways. Guess what? The stories of the dreams, the vision, the healings, the miracles that are happening in Iran started go, has now spread throughout the, the other countries of the Muslim world. And now there are new countries uh, that are predominantly Muslim where the, the church is growing and is exploding. And another one that I heard of, amazing, is Afghanistan. Of all places. We hear all the bad stuff going on in Afghanistan. How would you like to be comforted to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is spreading like wildfire in the country of Afghanistan? 
Now listen to this. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and Peter preached and 3,000 got saved, and then it lists all these categories, you know, these names of all these languages that they were speaking in tongues and giving glory to God. The first three are the Parthians. Parthians are from ancient northern Iran. The Medes, which are the Kurds. You've heard of the Kurds from Iran. And then Elamites is number three, and Elam is in the country of Iran. And in fact, there's a prophecy in the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, that God says, and the, in the end times, though his throne will be in Jerusalem, sitting on the seat of David, there's a scripture in the prophecy in Isaiah or in Jeremiah that says his throne will also extend to Elam, which is one of the ancient areas of Persia or Iran. How is that? You guys are way too quiet. That's too cool. Come on. Come on. Amen. Now, okay, go to this next one. God put a sign in the sky to declare that the world was about to change. Verse, let's read verses 3 through 8. So it says, verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Then they quoted the prophet Micah 700 years earlier. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. Now, smallest, yes. Least, no. Importance does not mean that you're big in number. But it is what God's purpose is for you. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. Because that's how they got to Jerusalem, was this star, the star of Bethlehem. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Now, of course, he did not want to worship the King Jesus, that was a rival king that he wanted to exterminate. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. But note this, God put a sign in the sky, the star of Bethlehem, to declare that the world was about to change. And so here we are, it's Christmas, it's the month of December, it's the year 2020. And once again, we are thinking about the birth of a child 2,000 years ago. I love this time and this season and when we're thinking about Jesus and all of the songs and all of the hymns that we sing. The child that would be born in a humble stable and placed in a little makeshift cradle. And this baby who was born 2,000 years ago would literally change the world. He would divide time in half. The reason that this is called the year 2020, 2020, is because it's 2020 years since Jesus was born. Everything is either BC or AD, before Christ or Anno Domini in Latin, which means 2020, the year of our Lord. Can I hear an amen on that? <laughs> Do you know all the atheists, in the, every time they write in their check and they put the date on it, 2020. You're talking about Jesus. It's 2020 from Jesus, the birth of Jesus. Ha ha, you just celebrated Christmas without realizing. 
So that's the reality of what's happening. There was a child born 2,000 years ago that changed the world. And that child was destined to become a king. But ironically, Bethlehem, which I mentioned, is only five miles away from Jerusalem, the holy place of Jerusalem, the temple, the worship, the capital of Judaism, where God manifests his presence and glory. There was no rejoicing in Jerusalem at the birth of Jesus. Magi from faraway countries, some shepherds in the fields of Bethlehem, but nobody from Jerusalem. Where are the thousands of rabbis who've been studying the Bible and the prophecies who would see the star, know the scripture from Micah, and then be able to run and say, wow, the Messiah has been sent. Let us bow down and worship him. But they were not ready. He was literally five miles away and a whole generation of the religious whom God had given over 300 prophecies. They missed the coming of the Messiah. And it's a great sadness. The birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago was about, it was all about change. And his birth was more than a threat to the political system or the empires of the world that would rise and would fall. The birth of Jesus would rock the world. It would change the way that men thought about God and have a relationship with him because Jesus came showing us the way, the truth, and the life. And in the end, his kingdom that he started with a humble group of men and then a small gathering of disciples, he started a kingdom called the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven that literally began shaking and rattling and rolling throughout Herod. Herod's kingdom already was beginning to crumble and fall apart. Israel and what the government that they had set up was going to crumble and fall apart. Rome and Caesar and their government that they had set up and they were overseeing the whole world was going to crumble and fall apart. And only the king and the kingdom of heaven would remain. Today, there are 2.7 billion believers in Jesus who was born as a baby 2,000 years ago. Amen? So I love the power of all this. Now, here's what's exciting for this Christmas. I don't know how, how many of you saw, I, I can kind of see uh, you out there, so I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you have heard, because it's been reported in the press, that this year at Christmas, there's coming a sign in the sky that the world calls the Christmas star, and it is a convergence that is going to happen uh, on December the 21st. And what is happening this Christmas year, this sign in the sky that everybody calls the Christmas star, the last time this happened was nearly 800 years ago. How many of you have heard about it? Oh my gosh, that's sad. Do you guys see the news? <laughs> Look it up. Look it up. Look up the star of Bethlehem. First time in 800 years. There was a headline in the Seattle Times. Hello, everybody listening from Seattle. For the first time in nearly 800 years, a rare Christmas star, that's what they called it, in the Seattle Times, will light up the sky 
and start this month's winter solstice. It's a planetary alignment. So look, we don't know what the star of Bethlehem was for sure. Now, on the one hand, it could have been, and there are many who say that it was a convergence of stars that came together. In fact, this one. Uh, there are others who say, no, it was just a supernatural kind of a bright light that God put the Shekinah glory up there and moved. So it could be either way. I don't know. But I think this is very, very interesting. And I, I believe that biblically, it, it could have been this. Because you only had wise men from one place coming. It's kind of like if it was so out there, why didn't the whole world wander around talking about it? This was something specific they had been told and that they were prepared for. It's a planetary alignment. The last time that these two planets came together this close was the year 1226, according to the Rice University astronomer Patrick Hardigan. As they make their orbit around the sun, the two planets, Jupiter and Saturn, which are two of the biggest planets in our solar system, will slowly grow closer and closer and closer together over the next couple of weeks until they are almost completely aligned, according to NASA, creating a super bright light and appearance from where they are. And these two large planets in the solar system, Jupiter and Saturn, are going to do something that has not happened and being extra bright, again, in nearly 800 years. It'll happen on uh, the night of December the 21st. It happens over a few days in that way. So here's what I want to say to you. That year, there were some wise men who saw this brilliant configuration and they followed it and it led them to Jerusalem. Now, interestingly, they get to Jerusalem and they don't know, now where do we go? Where is the Messiah? So they went to the Jewish people who had all the prophecies and they said, oh, the star led you here, but now here, let us, they gave, the religious leaders gave them the prophecy. It's in Micah chapter five, verse two, Bethlehem of Judah. So the Messiah is gonna be born in Bethlehem. It's, it's only five miles away. You guys are almost there. The irony is after they gave them the instructions, go in five miles, that's where the Messiah would be born. You saw his star, wonderful. They didn't spend, you know, they didn't take the five miles to go and find out and worship the Messiah, the king. How sad. But that was a sign for those who were ready and those who saw it, an explosion of light came and then they were given the scriptures. So let me just say this, signs can bring you only so far and then finally the word of God leads you all the way to the baby Jesus, amen? So could God be doing something very special this year? And I believe that he is. And so I, 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 want, to, uh, I want to share something with you. Um, how many would agree this has been a really weird year? <laughs> As we get ready to go into 2021, this is what I feel from my heart and what I feel from the spirit and I'm going to pass on to you. I feel like uh, I don't know all what's going to happen in 2021, but I do want to say this. I, I believe that this appearance of the Bethlehem star is a sign to all believers for sure, all wise men and women on the earth, that the world is about to change, that a new king, meaning a new government, is on its way from heaven to the earth. God is getting ready to put his foot down with great power and great authority 
The King of Kings is coming. The Lord of Lords is coming. Get ready and be prepared for in a moment you know not, he will come. Can I hear an amen on that? Something that hasn't happened in 800 years, related to the start of Bethlehem, related to the coming, the first coming, I believe that God may be wakening his church. And I, wanna, I also want to say this, you know, so what do I see? I, in 2021, uh, I, I think, sadly, there are many things, that, the direction our world in general is going, that are not good, not healthy. There's, a, there's probably more chaos that is coming. And I feel, and I wanted to share with you, um, not saying I know exactly what's going to happen, but I want to encourage you as we go from now and move into 2021, I believe it would be wise for us from the experience we just went through in 2020 for you in your homes, in your little food pantry, to maybe stock up on a little bit extra than normal just living week to week. And that you would have extra there, not just for you in any crisis, you know, because I, 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 we all remember that crisis when everything, you know, you went to the store and those, that one aisle was empty. And you're like, why, why is everybody, you know, that's what people do. So let me just say this, buy that kind of stuff that you know probably goes first. And if you have like an extra 30 day supplier, be going, yes, can't hear an amen on that. So that's wise. But secondly, I want you to say, add a little bit extra to, you know, weekly to your food pantry, not only for yourselves, but God forbid if we do see another crisis or similar or something happen in that way, from your food pantry, you're ready and able and willing to go to your neighbors and check on them and say, are you guys okay? Do you need anything? Because if you do, I want you to know we have a little bit extra. And in the name of Jesus, we wanna, we're there for you. And we're praying, is there anything we can pray for you and minister to you and bless you? Amen. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. So I am speaking to you as your pastor, your shepherd, your spiritual leader. And um, I just, and I, I feel an urgency to it. Like, let's not wait and mess around. And maybe we'll get to it in three, four months. I don't know what or when anything might happen, but let's start getting ready now. As we begin moving into January, be ready. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes. Do you receive it in the spirit I'm giving it? Yes. Not for fear, but for preparedness. I mean, look, we're, our church more than any other one says, Maranatha, Jesus is coming. And we can't just be all spiritual and wahoo, you know, sometimes you gotta be practical. So I think that's a wise practicality. Well, let's close verses 9 through 12. As it is time to worship the king, we close beginning in verse 9. It says, And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely, divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, 
You know what Herod's going to do. They were warned in a dream that they departed for their own country another way. Thank God and God bless those men. I think it is God's amazing grace that led them to his son and allowed these wise men to see Jesus face to face. Charles Wesley captured the glorious experience in this beautiful Christmas hymn that we sing, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Amen. Amen. They saw him, and the word worship, the full meaning means to, it's the, the, it expresses the idea of falling down on your face. Can you imagine these wise men, men of importance, men of renown? They were well educated. They advised kings on their faces in this humble little Bethlehem town with a cradle. And there they're on their faces prostrating themselves. And then the word worship means not only to put your face down in humility, but to kiss either the feet or the hem of whatever little garment that is the one that is so honored. And so they worshiped him. They worshiped him. God manifest in the flesh. They had pure hearts seeking after God and they were much rewarded for their passion. Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 13 and 14 says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart and I will be found by you, says the Lord. So my final question is, when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he changed the world. The one question remaining is, has he changed you? Have you let him in all the way to change you? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.